last 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. What a wild week it has been for the local baseball club. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. An emergency podcast this Friday afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us, uh, making us part of your day. Obviously, a lot is going on right now. We're going to talk to Mark Zuckerman in just a little bit, breaking down everything, obviously, with the trade deadline looming in the next couple of hours here on, on Friday afternoon. Uh, some other news has broken within the last couple of hours, not related to trades, but we need to discuss that as well. Wanted to get you guys on the show. Uh, be sure to comment along if you're watching on Mass Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel, or on Twitter. We love to hear your comments. I know you Nationals fans have a lot of comments about what has transpired over the past couple of hours. Let me bring on Mark Zuckman right now, who joins me via Zoom. And Mark, uh, glad to see you got some sleep last night. I know I got a little bit. We had quite the day yesterday. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Bobby. Hopefully uh, people can't see the bags under my eyes. The <laughs> fact I haven't shaved yet today. It's been, it's been a couple of days. It's been a week. It's been a month for all of us who cover the team and for the Nationals themselves. This one, uh, not necessarily for good reasons, but it is one that we're going to remember for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've talked about it all week on the blog, on Twitter, just talking about how this is going to be a um, uh, a week that, like you just mentioned, that, that we remembered in Nationals history forever, uh, just for everything that's going down. A franchise-altering week just because of the trades and what else has gone down. You know, just a month ago, we were talking about how the Nationals could be just getting right back into the mix of thing in the National League East. And here we are talking about a full-on roster sale and a potential rebuild over the next couple of hours and the next couple of seasons uh, for the big league club. Let's get right to it, Mark. Obviously, you were all over the coverage on MassInSports.com and on Twitter yesterday. The big news coming, of course, with the trade being uh, between the Nationals and the Dodgers. The Nationals are sending Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to L.A. for a haul of four prospects. Just your initial takeaway from that major breaking news uh, that came down yesterday. Well, I, I mean, you have to be a bit surprised just because I don't think we saw the two of them moving together. <laughs> I think we knew Max Scherzer was going to be traded and and probably to one of the NL West teams that seemed the most likely all along. And we knew there was a chance that Trey Turner would be traded. Um, although once he went on the COVID IL, I kind of forgot about that until uh, we got to uh, the next day. And I actually checked with somebody from MLB to just ask, can you trade a guy who's on the COVID IL? They said, actually, yes, you can. It's just kind of buyer beware for that. So uh, I, I was surprised at how that came together. The two of them. There's only one team in baseball that could probably have done what happened, and that's the Dodgers, um, who have the money to spend on those two, and actually have the prospects to be able to uh, to to give in return for something like that. Now, I know for a lot of fans, this one is hard. It's hard to accept. Uh, I think most had come to understand that Max was going to be traded. Um, I'm not sure as many you know were ready to accept Trey Turner being traded, and I think a lot of people looked at this and said. Shouldn't you get more than that for your two best players in theory? And what I would say to that is 10, 15, 20 years ago, yeah, probably. Rental players brought back a lot in prospects not that long ago. But the industry has wisened up, and this is not something 
that GMs are willing to do that much anymore is give away their best young players for a two-month rental. And so that's why I think including Turner in the deal was actually important because it now allowed them to get the Dodgers' top two prospects plus two others who may pan out in the long run. You know, we don't know how this is all going to work out. It's going to be years till we know if it was the right move and if these guys um, become the next generation of stars in D.C. But in this environment right now, I feel like this is probably the best they could do. Uh, and if you're going to go to a, an organization and try to raid them of their top prospects, the Dodgers is a good place to start. Because for all the success they've had at the big league level, they've been equally successful at developing their own stars. And that's why they've sustained success at the big league level for a long time now. Yeah, a lot to unpack here, Mark, obviously, with the names and, and the gravity of the situation and, and what the trade means. Also, you mentioned the bags under your eyes. Excuse me, my voice, of course, on a speaking platform. I'm battling a, a summer cold this week. Not COVID. Uh, I got tested and it's negative, but uh, just <clears throat> sound a little nasally today. So I apologize for that. Uh, but, you know, you're looking at the names and the prospects in return. You're talking about, yeah, you could have mentioned, you know, you only get four guys back for two players. Some people referencing... Uh, the fact that, you know, just a couple of years ago, the Dodgers sent five prospects to the Orioles for Manny Machado. And here we are sending, uh, you know, a future Hall of Famer, Max Scherzer, an all-star caliber shortstop in Trey Turner and only getting four back. But there's some money involved here, right, uh, Mark? Because, you know, Manny Machado back then when he was at the Orioles was still, you know, on his rookie deal. So his contract wasn't nearly what Max Scherzer's is right now. Uh, can you kind of break down and explain how that all works out with the Dodgers taking on some of the money uh, from Max Scherzer's contract and why that might have affected uh, how uh, many prospects the Nats got back in return? Yeah, well, I don't know if we have enough time to go through all of that <laughs> because it's complicated. Max has a complicated contract. Yeah. Um, the key things to know here are this. There's all that deferred money for him, and that's where technically his 2021 salary is coming from. So the Dodgers are going to pick that up. They don't necessarily have to pay it right now. They have to pay it in like 2028, but it does count against their, their uh, luxury tax for this year. It's like a $12 million hit. So again, how many teams can afford to do that? Well, the Dodgers, who already blow past the luxury tax, are able to do that. And remember, Trey Turner's not cheap this year either. And now that he's in arbitration, he's making good money a couple of years away from free agency. So the, there is absolutely a financial component to all this. And here's where it is interesting because there was some thought that if the Nats were willing to pay down those salaries, if they paid for the rest of these guys, that you could ask for more in terms of prospects. And so maybe there could have been a better haul if that had been the case. But I think we have to acknowledge that there was a financial component to all this. And big picture here, I'm not defending it or saying this is the right way for them to go about it. But we got to remember they won a World Series in 2019 and they lost out of all the financial benefits of the next year from that season ticket sales, TV ratings, you name it, concessions, memorabilia, all that by essentially losing the 2020 season and trying to gain some of that back this year in still not ideal circumstances, and then a team that started to lose. So if you want to blame anything for all this, you can go all the way back to COVID and directly tie it to what has happened here in some ways, because a team that wins a championship that year after is critical for their success financially. It, that is where the windfall all comes in, and the Nats were denied that. And I'm, I'm not saying that's an excuse for what happened. There are a whole lot of other issues that led to all this, but I think it does play a role in some of these decisions they've had to make. I mean, that's an excellent point. I mean, I hadn't even considered that. And yeah, we talked about that, you know, a year ago about all the financial losses that's going to 
uh, affect not just the Nationals, but all of Major League Baseball and all professional sports because of COVID, the economy in general. Uh, so that's, that's an excellent point. Now, to kind of stick to the money kind of part of the equation, but flipping over to the other player in the deal, Trey Turner. You know, the biggest complaint that I'm sure you've seen and that I've seen from the Nationals is that, or from fans, I should say, is that the Nationals can't lock down their all-star position players. We've seen Bryce Harper leave in free agency. We've seen Anthony Rendon leave in free agency. And now Trey Turner departs a year from his free agent season in a trade. What does that say about the Nationals uh, in general as a, as an organization? And, you know, what hope do you have? Is there any hope you can give to the Nationals fans that Juan Soto may be different a couple years from now? We'll get to that one here in a second. <laughs> uh, first of all, with Trey, look, I, I get it. I understand the frustration here from fans. They've had so many elite young players who've come up for them and excelled for them and ultimately won a championship for them over the last decade. And aside from Steven Strasburg, and I guess you could say Ryan Zimmerman, they have not been able to retain any of them. They've lost them all through free agency. So I get that. It's it's frustrating that it's been the case. What I would say is look at how a lot of these contracts end up turning out. You know, It's a long way to go, but Anthony Rendon, so far, it's not working out so great for the Angels. He hasn't played as well. He's been hurt. We'll see. Uh, Bryce Harper hasn't exactly worked out. He's played pretty well. But the Phillies aren't exactly in a great position, maybe long term. And there's questions about how that's all going to work out for them. And they have him until he's 39 years old. So the Max Scherzer contract was the exception to the rule. It doesn't usually happen like that. And now look at the Steven Strasburg contract. And again, I think that ties in. I think the events that have happened with Steven Strasburg over the last week also played a direct role. in now what we are seeing over the last 48 hours, they, they thought he was coming back. They were convinced, you know, or were pretty optimistic about a week ago that he was in the final stages of rehab and we'd be seeing him here in a couple weeks. And then he said he still felt the issue in his neck. They sent him to the specialist in Dallas, diagnosed him with thoracic outlet syndrome, and he had the surgery. And for people who don't know about this, this is the worst injury a pitcher can have nowadays. This is what Tommy John used to be 20, 30 years ago. Uh, it's not a kiss of death. You know, uh, pitchers do come back from this generally, but very few of them come back and return to be the kind of effective pitcher that they were prior to that. Matt Harvey is probably the most notable example of this. So if you're Mark Lerner in the Nationals and you're saying, we paid $245 million to retain Steven Strasburg, and now look what happened, and that's going to set us back for a while uh, because of that, I could see how they'd be a little gun-shy about giving another big deal like that to another player, especially someone who's going to be going into their 30s by the time that Trey becomes a free agent. Now, he's a great player. He's a all-around shortstop, all-around player, one of the best in baseball. Are we convinced that he's still going to be that guy well into his 30s? I don't know the answer to that, but I could see how, especially for a speed guy, how that may not translate as he gets older. Um, and the market for him has only gone up because of how he's done, because of what's happened to other shortstop. Francisco Lindor got $300 million. I don't know if Trey Turner's going to get $300 million, but you compare those two, he compares favorably, if not better, than Lindor. So if you're the Nationals, are you ready to commit that kind of money to Trey Turner all the way through his 30s when you already have Strasburg locked up at 245, Corbin for 140, and we haven't even gotten to Soto yet? So I can understand the hesitancy there to do that. That in a lot of ways, it's not just a financial decision, but a baseball decision. Are you convinced that he is the player who's going to be worth that? Because so few players really are worth it. So let's go to Soto now. 
to me, and not that my opinion here matters, that the learners are listening to what I have to say. If there is one guy that I do think you do go all out and spend all the money on, it is Juan Soto. He's younger. He's only going to be 25 when he hits free agency, which is insane. He has generational skills as a hitter, the kind that I don't think are going to deteriorate that much as he gets older. Maybe defensively it's a problem. Maybe by that point they have a DH and it doesn't matter. Maybe he goes to first base at some point. Who knows? But as a hitter, I think everybody agrees that he has a great chance to be elite all the way throughout his entire career. So if it's me, I'm backing up the truck and I'm offering him as much as I possibly can to try to keep him. It doesn't mean it'll work. He and Scott Boris may say no. They want to go to free agency anyways. But I think that's the one now you focus on. And the whole goal of what they're trying to do here, I believe, is to position themselves so that they have a winning team by the time they get to 2024, which is Soto's last season under contract. And that helps convince him to want to stay here long term. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that, you know, the shock of it all from last night, I, I was part of that, you know, as a fan when I'm not working, it, it is hard to see a guy like Trey Turner leave in a deal uh, when he's still a year away from free agency and you would have liked to have locked him up already so you have him for your prime. Um, but, you know, looking at it, like you said, from a business standpoint, from a purely baseball standpoint, do you really want to be signing your long-term long-term shortstop to a long-year deal as he's entering 30? Uh, we're not sure. You know, he has had some health issues in the past. Obviously not this year, obviously not last year, but, you know, it has creeped up. So I, I, there's a lot of factors going in, and I think it's easy to for fans to just see – Trey Turner's name on the trade block and be upset, but there's a lot to unpack there. And then, of course, the track track record, right? Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, now looming uh, Soto in a couple of years. I think that has made a lot of Nats fans hesitant. Just real quick, you know, I mean, is Juan Soto almost a must to re-sign? I, I know it's not going to be the Nationals' final decision. Juan Soto, more likely than not, is going to enter free agency and Scott Boris is going to test the waters. And if the Nationals at least don't make a, a, a fair run at him, I, I think the, Na- the Nats fan base is going to be very upset. And I think, you know, we're already seeing them very upset. And could could the, we be looking at a situation where the Nationals are losing a part of the fan base that they just spent the last decade plus cultivating with Strasburg, with Scherzer, with Harper, with a World Series championship and stuff like that if they miss out on Soto now? Sure. I think that's fair to say that um, there are a lot of hurt fans right now. I've heard from them all. I've heard you all, believe me, in the last 48 hours. I know what you're feeling right now, and you're not wrong for feeling that way. Um, But as as I wrote my column this morning on the site and as I've been thinking about here, um, it's painful right now, but every franchise eventually has to move on, even when you win a championship and you have something great happen, and the players who were part of that have to move on and you just hope that you find that next generation that you fall in love with again that goes on to win you know what cures all this bobby winning yeah and so if two or three years from now there's a whole new class of players that are winning and competing for division title and to return to october again i think the fans will come back uh i get the frustration now i understand why you may not want to come to the ballpark why you may not want to watch them every night and and devote yourself to them after what's happened. But my hunch is that when they start winning again, uh, the fan base will return. So how's that tie in with Soto? Yeah, of course. He needs to be priority number one. They need to do everything. And it, like you said, it's got to be a legitimate offer. I know they do the deferrals. I don't think that's going to work in this case, as far as I can tell. It's time to put the, the cards all out there. 
make a real, true, legitimate offer for whatever that number is. I don't know what it is. Make that offer. And if ultimately he decides to walk and go somewhere else, well, now it's on him. And nobody can say that you didn't give your best effort to sign him. What they've done here in the past, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with the moves they've made in the past, but the process that they got there, when you include deferred money, when you make offers that you kind of expect them to turn down, uh, I think it does allow people to still place some of the blame on the team. In this case, they can't let any of the blame be on them. They've got to put it all out there in a manner that they think Soto would honestly accept. And if he doesn't, so be it and you move on. But we got time for that. It doesn't have to happen yet. But every year that passes without it, as we've seen, the closer you get to free agency, the harder it is to sign them again. So maybe it is time to, to bring the dump truck of money up to Juan Soto right now or this winter. Yeah, you mentioned the time. Obviously, still a couple more seasons before uh, young Juan Soto reaches the free agent mark. And that's the time that Mike Rizzo has to turn this ship around, right? I mean, obviously, the Trey Turner and Max Scherzer deal weren't the only moves made last night. The Nationals finished the night reportedly. Not all deals are completed yet. Um, finishing with eight prospects coming back in exchange of, uh, I think it's one, two, three, four, five players uh, from so far. An, an aging roster so far. Uh, what do you think of the return overall so far, not just with the Dodgers deal, but with the Kyle Schrober going to Boston, Brad Hand going to Toronto, and Daniel Hudson coming uh, going to Padres uh, for two prospects? What do you think of the return overall? And more importantly, I guess, can the Nationals turn this around in two or three years? Well, yeah, that's going to be the question. It's not going to be only from these guys that they acquired in the last two days. You know, It's going to have to come from their own draft, which let's talk about that. They have not been great at, especially with first-round picks for a while now. They're banking a lot on Cade Cavalli, last year's pick. They're banking a lot on Brady House, this year's pick, who, by the way, signed today. Yeah, Five million dollars. Let's add some more news to everything else. So those two are going to be a big part of this. Uh, perhaps Jackson Rutledge, a 2019 pick, who's dealt with some injuries but appears to be doing better now. Uh, so they have to be better at drafting and developing their own. They have to hope that these prospects they got in trades work out. And ultimately, there is going to be money to spend. Because a lot of money is going off the books. Yes, they still have Strasburg and Corbin. Yes, they got to save up for Soto. But there's going to be money to spend. And it's now going to be about who are the right players to go after, when is the right time to go after them, and and, uh, build that next team that's going to win. So, like I was saying earlier, it's hard with rental players to get a whole lot in return for them. You're not usually going to get elite slam dunk prospects. They may have a little bit more risk associated with them. But at the end of all this, and let's assume there's one or two more trades to happen today, they're going to end up with somewhere from like 10 to 12 players that they will have acquired. And the hope is that from that quantity, you have some quality. You hope that there are one or two kind of star level players. Maybe the top two from the Dodgers will be that, the catcher and the right-hander. And then you hope you have several more just big leaguers that can help you win. And then you understand that a few of them may never make it. They may not pan out. They may get hurt. They may not be that good. For an organization that has been so stripped uh, over the years, and I mean, look at what their record is right now, and it's in a lot of ways a direct reflection of their lack of organizational depth. They could not overcome the injuries they've had because they didn't have enough guys coming up through their system. So this is how you start that process. This isn't going to do it alone, but it's one of several steps they're going to need to take, and then we'll see. The hope is I'm not expecting them to feel a uh, contending team in 2022, uh, but by 2023, you want to start to see some of the benefits of it. And certainly by 24, which is Soto's last year under contract, you really want to see some uh, at that point and have reason to believe that they're on the verge of something great again. 
yeah, we see teams around the league. They are, you know, still in year three or four of their own rebuilds and seemingly they're still two or three years away from actually competing. Mike Rizzo trying to do this in a shorter amount of time and hopefully get back into a competing level before Juan Soto uh, enters his free agent year and, and get back into a, a postseason type uh, roster. Um, all right, a couple more questions before I let you go. I know it's been a busy day, but real quick, the deadline is now uh, f- about three hours away uh, as we are live here on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, Mark, what other names on the Nationals roster are up for grabs? I think the two to look at are Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison. Uh, those are the other two veterans who are going to be free agents. They both had really nice seasons for them. Gomes coming back yesterday off the IL, homering in his first game back, uh, that's huge. I mean, if there was a team that was on the fence about it, you just saw that, okay, he's good. He's good to go. Uh, I could see them getting something for him. And the fact that they just acquired a couple of young catchers, I'm not saying they did that with this in mind, but now that you sort of see where the future is going there and the fact that Trace Pereira has looked good uh, since he's been up, uh, I think that makes it a little easier to accept to maybe try to trade Gomes. Harrison is a valuable guy for all the positions he can play. He's been really good for them at everything. I don't know how much you get for him, again, as a rental utility player, but if there is a good offer, I could see that. Um, I don't think Josh Bell is going to go. He, he's here for next year at a fairly reasonable price. Um, I don't think there's anyone else that really fits the description for those because I got the, the questions from people about, do I think they could trade Corbin or Keyboom or something like that? And like, you're not getting anything for them right now. Nobody's taking on Corbin's contract. Keyboom's value is as low as it's ever going to be. You're going to start to see him a lot probably at third base the rest of the season as they try to hope that he does blossom into a productive major leaguer for them. So I think the vast majority of what happened already took place yesterday and last night, but there's still a couple to go here before 4 o'clock today. Yep, and of course you'll have that coverage on MassInSports.com and on Twitter at Mark Zuckerman. Last final note, because again, there, there couldn't be any more news. I'm channeling my Chandler Bing right now. There couldn't be any more news right now. Uh, but Starling Castro suspended 30 games by Major League Baseball today after their investigation into his uh, domestic uh, abuse allegations. And the Nationals coming out saying that they will release him after that suspension. Just real quickly, your thoughts. First, I'm surprised at how quickly the investigation got wrapped up. Um, when you look at other cases, Trevor Bauer, uh, Jared Porter, Mickey Calloway, these things took a long time, months and months. So I'm surprised that it wrapped up that quickly. Uh, maybe it means it was really a, a clear-cut case and they were able to uh, figure it out. Uh, I think everyone is probably relieved that that has been resolved now. Uh, I think it's an outcome that we probably saw coming, whether it was going to be this year or later in the year or next year or whenever that he would be suspended by Major League Baseball. And I think we got the sense Mike Rizzo sort of tipped his hand a couple of weeks ago when we spoke to him and said that no matter what MLB decided, uh, he did not feel like Starlin Castro was going to play for the Nationals again. And that will be the case because they will release him. So disappointing, obviously, uh, you know, from a baseball standpoint, he was really hitting well right before this happened. He was hitting 427 over a 21-game stretch and helping them maybe get back into contention. Uh, but what we've seen across the board from the organization, from the top level down, they have said there is zero tolerance for this, and it doesn't matter what kind of player you are, it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you make, any of that, they're not going to tolerate it, and I think their actions since um, have revealed that, and it's an unfortunate end to what uh, is going to be not a very memorable tenure for Starlin Castro with the Nationals. Yep, zero tolerance means zero tolerance. It's it's nice to see an organization uphold those standards uh, regardless of who the player is, uh, as you mentioned. 
Mark, I got to let you go. There, there's so much to do. Not to mention there's a baseball game tonight to cover as well. The oh, Nationals yeah. open a three-game series against the Cubs, who will, whose roster also will look vastly different probably by the end of today. Uh, so I, I enjoy your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're really stressed. At Mark Zuckerman on Twitter, be sure to give him a follow. He'll be covering the trade deadline all day and, of course, the games all weekend. And, of course, give him a follow on the blog at MassInSports.com and on the podcast, Nats Chat Podcast. Give him a follow there, recapping every game. Um, and I'm sure they'll have more to talk about uh, later tonight. So, Mark, really appreciate the time, um, and uh, good luck to you. My pleasure. Thanks, Bobby. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in in an emergency situation. Obviously, a lot going on. I know a lot of you have thoughts and emotions going right now, but like Mark said, stick with us. It's going to be okay. Uh, there's going to be some better baseball uh, in the horizon for this team. Uh, be sure to follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Wherever you get podcasts, you can get the Mass and All Access podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate your comments. Um, and we'll tune in next week with a full recap of all the moves made at the deadline and probably any other news that pops up with this team. Stay safe this weekend. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you later.